Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. You've bitten the bullet and decided to pay the Apple tax. Or maybe you're just considering transitioning to a Mac. Switching from Windows to using a Mac may seem a bit daunting, especially if you've been on Windows for decades. However, it's not as difficult as you might think. In this episode, we're going to discuss switching from a PC to a Mac. I have successfully gotten my Mac Mini up and running, and we'll be talking about my experience as we go through this episode. Uh, The episode was actually written and recorded on the Mac Mini with the Apple M1 chip. So uh, this is our first time doing this. Uh, We'll see how it goes. I don't know what our editor uses to edit that, but I will be editing the aftercast. Actually, have been editing the aftercast for the last few weeks on this. So uh, by the time you guys listen to it, if you uh, if you listen on the aftercast, you'll have heard several episodes edited through here. So, but uh, all that said, uh, Will, what uh, what have you been fighting with this past week ish? Past three weeks, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's been, been a while since we last recorded. <laughs> well, mainly what I'm doing is trying to get in motion as far as my quarterly goals. So, like I reorganized my yearly goals and broke them into quarters. And it's actually, it seems to give me a sense of urgency to do this this way. So like, you know, it ends, was it April 1st is the end of the first quarter or is the beginning of the second quarter. So you have 12 weeks of actual getting stuff done and a week of planning in between. So I'm kind of doing the 12 week year thing. Um, it, it's been really interesting just because uh, it's it's helped me focus a lot more and go, okay, can I actually do certain things in the amount of time I I think I can do them? It's, it's been really, really helpful for giving me clarity on on the stuff I'm trying to do. I've also lifted weights every day this year so far. Now, granted, it's only the 4th of January, but that's something. Uh, only one of those was... Only one of those was an actual scheduled workout. The other three were because I was tired. It was easier to swing a kettlebell to wake up some instead of going and making a pot of coffee. Yeah. (laughs) I needed needed to wake up in five minutes. (laughs) And yeah. Yeah, I get that, man. Um, So today was actually the first day of the year that I have worked out. Saturdays and Sundays, I I don't like go to the gym. I just do something, usually something active. So, but yeah, today was my first day working out because of the snow yesterday. Yeah, the massive snow we had. I guess you guys had more. Yeah. We only had like, I don't know, I feel like it was like an inch and a half, maybe two inches, but it, you know, it never really stuck on the roads at all. Yeah. Oh, no, it was nine inches in some places. Uh, I didn't find anything smaller than about six and a half to seven inches. So... It was a lot of snow for Middle Tennessee. Yeah. So how about you? What's uh, what's going on with you? Well, uh, since uh, we last recorded, uh, Will knows this because he has seen me since then, but uh, I cut all my hair off. 
Well, I didn't do it. I paid someone to do it. Uh, but yeah, not all my hair. I, I still have some hair. I didn't like shave. It's, you know, I, I cut it short. So yeah, apparently it makes me look uh, 10 to 20 years younger, according to most of the women I know. Like half the church has come up and told me I look somewhere between 10 to 20 years younger. Like some say 10, some say 15, some say 20. So yeah. I got told that when I cut my hair and uh, ditched the beard. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't ditch the beard completely. I went down to kind of a scruffier look and was told explicitly by by my friend Whitney, who's like a little sister. She's like, good choice, not going baby-faced. So uh, anyway... So yeah, it's uh it's cool. Also, cleaned out my closet over the holidays as I've lost around 60 pounds. Yeah. Last time I weighed myself, I had lost 60 pounds, but that was you know middle of last week. So I might have lost some more. I probably have because you know. And none of my clothes fit. So I've been clothes shopping and cleaning out my closet. Will, would you believe uh, you want to take a guess? How many trash bags full of clothes that I have to take to Goodwill? Three. Yeah, you are way, way low on that number. Dude, I could put every article of clothing I own in two. Yeah, I mean, you you forget. I um I don't throw stuff away like I should. And you remember moving me. I basically moved in, put it all in the closet. And I used to have a lot of clothes for when I was like doing sales and stuff like that. And even had some stuff from med school. I'll give you one more go. 10. Yeah, that's still way too low. 17 bags. Wow. Like 55-gallon bags or like... Oh, no, no. Like the white trash bag, like 10-gallon bags. Oh, I was thinking like a real trash bag. Like... Oh, no, no. I'm talking about like a a kitchen trash bag because that's all I had. Uh, Okay. I was like, man, you know, I don't think think all the clothes I own would fit in. You know, like I I think I'd be... I'd have lots of space in the second bag. Yeah. No, I mean... Of course, uh, uh, well, a bunch of it was like dress shirts and pants. I had four tuxedos. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's uh, it was fun. Uh, so, like we said, we are uh, we are recording on uh, on the Mac Mini. I've had a couple of weeks to uh, since I set it up. We we're supposed to do this last week, and I was sick on the Mac Mini. Like we we're going to record on it, and I was sick. So I've but had an extra you were week. Sick on the Mac Mini. You were just sick. No, last week. no. I was sick last week, but we're going to record on the Mac Mini. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I do miss the tertiary screen. I didn't think I'd miss it that much, but I do. The the laptop brought, but uh, it's all right. I really love having the ability to uh, to switch between desktops. Like, you know, the way that Mac has like, has that I can lay out a desktop for, for different things. So it's really nice. So there's that. And then I really need to, to raise some money for my mission trip. I'm, trying to come up with some ideas for that. So if you guys want to donate to it, uh, there's a link in the show notes. So please help me. Yeah. I've been getting a lot of no's lately, so I need need money. Saving money is hard, especially when you go on mission trips all the time. (laughs) True that, yo. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, Lucas has a focus on helping you to not only establish a plan for the kind of life you want to have, but to actually take action on that plan so that you get there. 
investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. And with the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. And Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So you can actually start today instead of having to save for six months to start. Uh, and best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is he's not here to sell you a product. Instead, he is here to guide you to a better financial solution. You are, are basically paying for his, his time and services. He's not trying to get you to buy something. And you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you are probably facing as a person in tech. Uh, he also interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can learn more about his offerings at levelupfinancialplanning.com. A majority of professional developers use Windows PCs with a few installing Linux on their PCs. Apple computers, while at one point the highlight of the business world, have for many years been relegated to artists, creatives, and hobbyists, really. For a long time, Macs really didn't play well with other operating systems and were hard to use if you weren't already used to the ecosystem. However, with the uh, introduction of OS X, Apple opened up to working with other operating systems, allowing them to be used in more than uh, a creative atmosphere. A common myth about Macs that is still prevalent is that they're difficult to learn and even more so to move to from working on Windows. While they may be cost prohibitive for some people, uh, many people do not want to switch to a Mac because of the suspected downtime that such a switch would cause. Uh, this may have been true a few years ago, but there are quite a few ways now to move from a PC to a Mac with little interruption to your workflow. So I recently set up uh, my Mac Mini and moved all of my creative and podcasting files and software from Windows PC to the new Mac. Will has been uh, waiting on me to get around to doing this because I bought it a few months ago and just got busy with school and church stuff. But uh, he's been waiting on me to work out the kinks before getting into the Mac Mini world because he's, he's considering getting one for, uh, for podcasting stuff. Yeah, just for the just for the recording. So like I I still do Windows actual Windows development too. So like I can't make the switch for uh, my own purposes there. But for all the creative stuff, it would be really really nice to not get burned by Windows updates. Um, they have fixed a lot of things with Windows 10 that were causing me grief before, but I think with Windows 11 coming out, they're going to start screwing things up again, like they were as this podcast was beginning. Uh, you know, in the early, we had a lot of trouble with that. So I'm, I'm leaning towards potentially getting a Mac Mini to just not have that problem. Yeah, that that makes sense. So guys, in this episode, we're going to talk about what you need to know when making the transition from the PC to the Mac world. Also, I, I didn't put this in the intro, but we're going to discuss living in both worlds a little bit, where you you have a PC and a Mac, and and working and transitioning between the two. So we'll start by discussing some of the benefits of using the Mac, and then we'll go into details about considerations you need when you're making that transition to the Mac. If 
finally, we'll talk about some pitfalls to avoid. This is going to be kind of a fun episode, really. Then in the aftercast, I actually found 12 tips from... This is actually from Apple support for people who are transitioning from Windows to Mac to help them make that, like, get used to the Mac OS. So it's going to be really good. I'm looking forward to, uh, to having that discussion with the guys once we, uh, we hop in there. So first of all, the benefits of switching to a Mac. Obviously, if you want to do this, you got a reason for it. Here's some possible reasons. Uh, the first one is, is you almost never have to shut down or restart them. Uh, Windows machines need to be restarted fairly regularly-ish to you know do things like clear cache, you know, to stop processes that are kind of zombies essentially, um, and just to make them work properly. So you know, any of your updates, any of those kind of things, uh, systems get de- destabilized by them. And this is not needed as often for Macs because they can be left on for months or even years at a time. And a lot of that has to do with you know more like kernel stability type things and. You know, they've, they've just done better at that than Windows have has, although I, I do think that Microsoft is kind of working in that direction. They are not there yet. Uh, I mean, it's, that's one of actually the complaints with Windows 10 with the way that the shutdown worked is they were trying to make it more like the Mac sleep so right. that it, it didn't like fully shut down so you had a, a faster boot. Yeah, it ended up being more of a pain because... You know, you have this thing that's been shutting the computer down and clearing the cache for decades, and suddenly you change the functionality, and it's like, yeah, that that mess messes with people. And I know you had issues with your laptop; you would shut it down, and and it would turn back on in the bag. Yeah, and so that's that's some issues that the people have with uh, with Windows. With uh, the first Mac that I had for work. I don't think I turned that off for several years, probably two, two and a half years until I updated the operating system and then it had to reboot for that. Yeah, I had one as a work computer years ago. And like if I left it in the office, yeah, I could totally leave it on. Um, But I tended to go in transit and I would actually completely shut it down. Yeah. Now, if I were like when I would go in and out of the office, I would leave it like I would put it in sleep mode and it'd be fine. Now, when I did go, down to was it up to I forget if I which sister I went to visit, but I went to visit one of my sisters and worked from there and took it with me. I turned it off that time because it was going to be you know in the bag for eight hours or more. So I didn't want to. I didn't worry. I didn't. I know other Mac users who would not have done anything who have just been like whatever. It's not going to be a problem. But my yeah. my experience with Windows, Windows. <laughs> yeah. So uh, another benefit. Is uh, this is a little silly one, but I, I threw it in here with the others because I, I kind of like it. If you can't find the mouse pointer, <laughs> rapidly moving the mouse around, it gets really big, and it's like it's really great if you've got like multiple screens, especially if one's off to the side, because you're gonna see that in your peripheral vision. So it, it's it's kind of nice for that. Yeah, yeah. On, on my Windows machine, I've as a friend refers to it. My mouse pointer is boomer sized. <laughs> now I will I will say when I first switched to Mac, the uh the thing that threw me off is their display. Like the the hardware is way better, especially on their laptop displays. And so much better pixels. And so tiny, 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 tiny font. 
oh yeah, you got to change the ratio or whatever. Yeah, I just had to like just make the font a little bit bigger. Couldn't use what I normally would on Windows because even now in the outline, it's a lot smaller than it normally is. But I've gotten used to that because uh, it is crisper and clearer. I can I can clearly see what it's saying. Another thing that's useful is that if you have an iPhone or iPad, you can connect it to your Mac and access your messages through your Mac. In fact, that happened uh, right before we got on this call. You got a phone call and it started ringing through your computer speakers. Yeah. That uh, and was this a- is convenient since you can get your messages, email, et cetera, in one place without having to use multiple devices. Although I think you can actually do something similar to that with Android and Windows. But I never, like, I've never set it up on mine because I don't want notifications from anybody. <laughs> yeah, I just like having the having the text so I can literally like type out texts. Yeah. Like we do with uh, with Hangouts. That's that's kind of nice. That is convenient. I've also seen um a lot of there's there are some apps that are available on Mac that also have a like iPad type component and those two can kind of interact. Like I know Scrivener will do that. Yeah. And it will not do the same thing on Windows and Android because they don't have a Android client. Interesting. Macs are more intuitive when it comes to the uh, drivers that you need. Basically, you don't have to worry about having the wrong driver or the wrong version of a driver. I know that has been the bane of our existence with uh, certain audio, audio hardware. Yeah. And so it is rare that you'll need to install a driver because Apple has the software kind of built into its hardware. Uh, For example, my Focusrite was basically plug and play. Yeah, and now one thing that's interesting about the Focusrite, at least the one I've got, is that there's something that can be set on the device itself. Mm -hmm. And so that got out of sync when I tried to run it on Linux. Like it was plug and and play, plug and pray on Linux, I guess is probably the better term for it. And it, you know, it got out of sync and then it couldn't talk to the Scarlet anymore until oh, wow. I plugged it into a Windows device and, you know, used it there. And then I could plug it back into the Linux box. Huh. So there's, there's some kind of storage that happens there too. So I, I'm assuming that your Mac drivers probably know that. Yeah. And react accordingly. Finally, under the benefits, while they are expensive to purchase, Macs are built to last, usually because of better parts. Like their their casing is metal and not plastic. And so they retain their value. People are willing to buy used Macs. I have a friend who works for a guy flipping houses and he found a Mac in there and I helped him refurbish it or like get it up and running and reformatted and whatnot. And uh, we we're able to to sell that. So all right. So jumping into some considerations. Yeah, so hardware considerations. It is going to be different (laughs) in some respects. Uh, First off, you're not going to be transferring internal components between machines, right? So like your your Bitcoin mining video card that you have, not going in your Mac. This is not like building a new PC where you can reuse parts to make it cheaper. Uh, While it is possible to put the Mac OS on the right PC build, you don't really want to Hackintosh this. It's like, you know, you might as well just go to Linux at that point because you are going to be tinkering a lot. Now, when you're deciding on which Mac to purchase, you want to take into consideration Apple's new M1 chip. Wow, I sound like, you know, one of those videos or something when I say that. While at first, 
not very many apps worked with it. That is changing. I know one thing that held me off from buying the Mac Mini for about a year or so was I knew that Apple was going that direction. And I wanted a, I wanted the M1 chip in there because I wanted to test it with the less expensive Mac Mini. But the software that I used, like that I needed, wasn't ready yet. It is now. So that, that was a big thing. While uh, you can still get some new Macs with Intel, that's not likely to be going away. Now, there are some rumors that I've heard that Apple is purposely slowing the Intel machines with their more recent updates. I don't really think that's true. I, I think it could probably it. be Spectre or Meltdown related, right? Don't some of the, those Intel chips have those vulnerabilities? Possibly, but I just, like, I, I have one and my, my work machines have been the, the Intel-based and they haven't slowed down. Um, I've had other issues with them, but I think that was more um, because of the heavy security stuff we have because you know how yeah. software development is. Got to secure everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the other thing too is a lot of people probably have that impression from some stuff that happened with phones. Yeah. Because those did slow down due to updates and a lot of that was because the update was doing power management differently um, when the phone wasn't, you know, the battery was not as good or whatever. Now, peripheral connections are where you're going to have to kind of do a little bit of research and homework to determine what you can reuse and what you can't. Um, and obviously that means purchasing or updating things as well. Uh, most things are compatible with both PC and Mac, but if you have any specialized equipment, you know, for things like recording a podcast or other specialty work, you may want to make sure that you can actually get drivers for the Mac before you start using it. I suspect this is probably not as big of a problem as it used to be, but no. I know, you know, people that have some pretty specialized stuff and that probably is an issue. Yeah, this is it's it's enough to where all the the websites I went to mentioned it. Yeah, um, in there uh, and like general stuff like speakers, keyboards, your mouse, printers, probably printers, all that Most stuff's people. gonna be gonna be fine. It's more like if you have some like highly specialized. Like I said, my focus right was plug and play, so it's gonna be super highly specialized stuff. Yeah, like I've got a friend whose company makes, uh, well, they sell systems for truck scales, right? So it connects to a, a scale that pulls up in the truck, you know, has its tear weight, and then it goes and picks up a yeah. bunch of stuff and then pulls back onto it. That probably would not work on a Mac because uh, he has to write the drivers. You know, yeah, see, yeah, so, that's, that's a great example of it. Yeah. You know. So now Macs in general have fewer ports. I'm just like, that's just the reality of it. So you're not going to be able to connect as many things directly to the Mac. I was already using a USB hub uh, just because it was easier to like have one thing to move between machines because I don't have a KVM switch yet. Uh, but uh, so you may need a USB hub or depending on what you get, the dreaded dongles to connect stuff to your Mac. Yeah. And those are always fun when you... <laughs> Go on trips, people forget two or oh. three little pieces like that. Oh yeah. Like you could be like the the best dude ever at a conference if you just have some spares with you of common <laughs> dongles. Now, if you're going all out and getting a Mac Pro, you won't have to worry about connections 
because it comes with two USB 3 and six Thunderbolt, you know, USB C ports. Also, of all the Macs, the Mac Pro is the only one that's customizable after you purchase it. Yeah. So you can like add, um, add hardware to it. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're really, you're, you're going to spend some money on that. Quite, quite a bit of money on it. Now, if it's your, if, if it's your work doing that for you, hey, that's a different thing altogether. All right. The MacBook Pro has four Thunderbolt ports, two on each side, at least the newer ones do. The older ones, I had a 2015 that had, uh, had the USB A ports on them, but, um, Basically, you're going to need to get a dongle to connect that and external monitors. You can get up to two on there. I have, I have one that uh, that works for it. Also, that's your power. So your power comes through the the USB C Thunderbolt ports. So uh, you can also use a Mac Mini like Beach does, and depending on that model, they may have both USB A and Thunderbolt as well as HDMI plugs. And you can connect a second monitor through one of the Thunderbolt ports as well. Yeah, so I have I have two monitors set up right now on here. I do have one dongle on there, and then both of the USB ports are, are being used. So now we're going to go into some software considerations. Almost all of the software you're going to be using has a Mac version, especially the web-based software. Even Microsoft products like Office and Teams are on macOS. So like I have Microsoft Office on this machine and then on my work machine, I have Office and Teams. So yeah, there's a a lot of that kind of stuff that you can do through the Mac-specific app. Now, there are industry-specific apps that are not web-based or that are more specialized. You know, so they may be created by a smaller team for a, you know, a smaller chunk of the market or whatever, and they may not have a Mac version. This is especially true with a lot of stuff that I've worked with in the past that only had Windows-based stuff because it used the Windows API yeah. um, or did more low-level type stuff. If there is not a Mac alternative, there are a few options. So you can use things like Wine, Boot Camp, or actually set up a virtual Windows machine inside the Mac. So you use the Mac software you know, around it, and then... Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. So... First off in that list is Wine. And that's an open source application that allows you to run Windows apps on other operating systems. Because most of the applications you're going to use are already on the Mac or they have a Mac version, Wine is typically used on Linux. Um, You don't see it a lot on the Mac, but it can be used to run Windows applications that don't have a Mac counterpart. The benefit of using Wine is you don't have to have Windows running or even a Windows license to use it. Yeah, they patch a lot of the APIs, essentially. Um, and it, it works pretty well. Like, I used to play uh, World of Warcraft through Wine, and it, it worked all right. And that was on uh, Ubuntu Linux you know, back nice. in the day. Yeah. Uh, but then they would patch it every so often, and it would be broken for a week or two. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Um, Bootcamp is another tool. Uh, it's a free Mac utility that lets you run Windows side-by-side with Mac OS. Uh, you don't have to have a Windows license uh, with Windows 10 so long as you don't want to activate it. Um, it also isolates your Mac OS from anything that happens on the Windows side, which is kind of important considering the current security landscape. You can also note that there are other apps that let you do this too, but this is a Mac OS specific utility. Yeah. 
So you might have to pay for those other apps. will be third-party apps, but they might also have other things included in them that the utility doesn't. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I used to use for that. Because it was like a key combination. It would switch over to the Windows side. And I can't remember what that was called. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Bootcamp, I think, came with OS 10. I don't remember. I, I, I read about it and I don't, I don't even remember now. Virtual machines allow you to use the Mac OS drivers and services only using what you need from Windows. With VMs, you can have several different uh, setups. And it's really nice because like, if you want like your specific setup for what you're working on, you can spin it up, use it, and then when you're done, you shut down that virtual machine and you spin up the another one that you need. I use particularly VMware as the one that I like for coding in .NET on a Mac. So, yeah, uh, Parallels. I did read about that when I was I was looking at at Bootcamp. That is that is another program. Uh, some people prefer it over Bootcamp. Some people prefer Bootcamp. So, and yeah, it, this would have been 2006 at the latest. Yeah, been a while. There are a couple of options for downloading uh, apps on your new Mac. You, know, you can go to the website and download the Mac version of the app, or you can go to the App Store to get it. Is it still like a DMG file? Is that what? Yeah, the, it is. It is still a DMG file that you you download. So, guys, now we're going to get into some differences between the user interfaces. Um, and so, this is sort of just some things that I've noticed while moving over to the Mac Mini. One of the biggest differences you'll notice is the menu bar. So instead of having the menu at the top of the application window, um, it's actually at the top of the screen. And the options change based on the app that's in focus. The cool thing is on the right side of the menu bar is sort of Mac's version of the, the system tray. So instead of like the bottom or on the taskbar, it's up at the top, which is nice because it's a convenient place to look for the time I found. <laughs> and it's like, it's always there. It's on, on every window or every, not every window, but uh, every monitor that you have. So it's, it is nice to have that there. However, this can get cluttered as you add more stuff. So uh, there are tools that you can get that will help you uh, if it gets a bit overwhelming. Uh, at the bottom or side of the screen, you'll find the macOS dock, which serves the same function as the taskbar in Windows with your running apps. The dock is divided into three sections. Uh, one is for docked apps and folders, uh, one for open apps that aren't docked, and one for folders, minimized windows, and trash. Uh, one difference is that you only see the dock on one screen, you can, you know, although you can move it to other windows or other screens, rather, uh, and it will not show up if an app is in full screen mode. And the the cool thing is, uh, if you get to the point where you have, so when we say docked, basically, it's like pinned, right? Yeah, yeah, basically like, like pinned browser. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if you have more than will fit on your screen, you have this sort of like bubble in the center. That was the first thing I noticed on. Oh, crap. What was her name? Cassie. Girl I dated when I was in grad school. This is like the first real Mac user I knew. And uh, she had a 
like she had so much stuff stored in there that she'd have to like scroll through it. It was kind of cool the way it worked, but I'm like, yeah, that is way too much stuff. I I don't have near that in mind because I kind of like to keep it clean. But uh, yeah, uh, so the instead of a search bar in the dock, macOS has uh, what's called Spotlight, which can be accessed using the hotkeys Command and Spacebar. Um, and it's really cool because not only can you search apps and the internet, but it also has like natural language searches. So you can literally type in photos I edited last week. That's handy. Yeah, it is. Like, I didn't realize how useful that was until I'd been using the Mac for a couple of years. And one of my coworkers was like, oh, hey, just do this. And I was like, what? That's awesome. So yeah. Now, they do have the system preferences set up, um, which replaces Windows control panel um, or control panels, as it were, because Windows has several different iterations of that. Some of the things in Windows are either drastically dumbed down or they are overly complex. They don't seem to be able to hit it right um, as far as the complexity level there, and they don't seem to keep it the same either. So you end up looking all over the place. I'm assuming that you know, with the Mac, they've actually probably got that all in one clean area and they keep it up to date. Yeah, it's kind of intuitively organized. Though, when you're making that transition from the the Windows world to Mac, you have to think, where would a normal person who doesn't work for Microsoft put this? Because as Windows right. users, we tend to get into the, like, the more you go into that kind of stuff, the more you you start thinking like the... Microsoft employees who wrote it and it's like right oh yeah that's going to be you know up in the corner by the cobwebs because it starts with C <laughs> right <laughs> you know that they're they're putting the corn cobs by the cobwebs because they have the word cob in them i don't know <laughs> you know literally that's like you, you have to think well, like that with windows <laughs> yeah and and a lot of times the other thing you'll see on windows too is like really old interface elements that haven't like I was somewhere the other day poking around and I opened a file dialog that was from Windows 3.11. Yeah, I believe it. On my, you know, Windows 10 machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was actually kind of surprised that it loaded without problems. So yes, finally, under differences that we're going to talk about, there's a lot more, but just the ones that kind of like were big to me is the activity monitor which is how you check in on system usage, closed processes, crash, that sort of stuff. Actually, those are highlighted in red. It's it's actually really user-friendly. Instead of just saying not responding. Yeah, yeah. It it's it's really nice to to get in there and go, oh wow, this is this is a lot easier to use. Now that I've like want to completely trash Windows, Windows has some good stuff, but like I'm sort of becoming a Mac fanboy over here, so just heads up. Well, you're a console gamer too, so that, that makes a difference for you too. Hey, you can get Steam <laughs> on Mac. Yeah, they're get, they're getting better about their gaming. I mean, they don't oh, yeah. have as they good are. of a setup yet, but I mean, you know, most of what I use computer for is creative stuff anyway. So, speaking of creative stuff, at some point you're going to have to transfer data between your machines. Now, the majority of files created in Windows are readable in Mac OS. However, you will need to have the right application to open it. You know, so like MS Word for doc files. I guess you could probably run OpenOffice on Mac as well. I don't know if that's actually a thing or not. Is it? Probably. 
I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Um, there's a lot of stuff you, you can get on the Mac. So while most files will be accessible on the Mac, some that were created with much older versions of Windows applications may need to be updated before they can be opened in Mac OS because their security is pretty tight on things. And so if there's security vulnerabilities, they may not allow you to do that. And so you'll have to like open it up in Windows, update it, and then bring it back over. I did just check. Open Office does have a Mac capable oh, cool. version. So yeah, yeah, I figured they did. So that's the thing. Yeah. Apple has a Windows migration assistant as well that will move email, contacts, calendars, photos, media, system settings, background images, browser bookmarks, top-level folders, non-system and program files, etc. over. You can use this if you want to copy everything from your PC over to your Mac. Otherwise, you could just use an external drive to transfer the files you want and manually set stuff up. I would and I'd go along with Beige on this as saying, use the manual setup, especially if you're already in tech, because uh, you may get a surprise. You know, you may think something would work a certain way and it might not. It might get you a little further if you just do it manually. Yeah. However, this is this is very convenient if you have a lot to move over. So and it's it's something that you it's on the Mac, you you download the app on your Windows machine and then you you transfer. It's it's kind of it's very convenient to use. Um I didn't because I wanted to set I wanted I didn't want to like copy all that junk on the Windows machine over because there's a lot of stuff I've, I've I have on there that doesn't I'm not going to use on the Mac. Like a lot of my school stuff and like that kind of thing that it's just like no, let's stay in Windows. So now Windows uses NTFS for formatting external drives, um which is from the good old Windows NT days, NT file system. And while Mac OS can read NTFS files, it cannot natively write to a drive formatted for NTFS. So that's one of the things I noticed because I got um, a, a 10 terabyte drive to store backups and other stuff for the podcast on that I can transfer between the two, like between Windows and Mac. And so it was readable on the Mac, but not writable natively. Of course, you can get something that will let you do that. Now, you can also reformat, you know, set up the drive as FAT32. That's a file allocation table, 32-bit. Um, and Mac can read that, but there, there are some problems with this. Uh, first of all, the addressable space on the disk is limited, um, which is probably going to be the biggest thing that gets you. I would imagine as well that there's probably some other things that come into play just because of the the storage, right? Like, the way the way it stores, and I didn't go into detail on here, um, but uh, the the way it stores it, it can have a little bit of data loss. Which, if you're doing like text files and stuff like that, isn't a big deal. But for like high quality images and audio, like that that um, reformatting those files can be can oh, be like when you switch it over. Yeah. So what what this is is this is not reformatting the drive. This is you're formatting it with the files on there. Like that is that is something you can do. You're changing the fat. Yeah. Yeah, changing it. So another option that you have is to copy the files to the Mac, which will then convert them to stores APFS, then reformat the drive and put them back on there. This works if there aren't too many files and you're probably not going to need to transfer them back to a Windows machine. Like you can access APFS 
from Windows using third-party software. I mean, basically, you can, you can do that with anything. Uh, it's just you have to go and install that on the Windows machine, any Windows machine that, that's going to use that. So the easiest option that I found is that if you need to share the drive between Windows machines and Mac is to install the NTFS driver on the Mac. This is going to require you to change some security settings on your Mac, but nothing that's going to like open up vulnerabilities. It's just you have to go in there and say, hey, allow this. I chose this for the podcast because you know I have full control over the Mac, but I may not have control over the Windows machines that are going to be using that same drive. Like I do have my own, but if I take it over to Will's and he gets stuff off the drive, then right. you know the, it's just going to be easier if it's already in NTFS and he can read and write it. I'd probably just give you a directory on the NAS. Yeah, I know, but, <laughs> but you know, yeah. you, you don't know. So yeah, yeah, I will say that that is probably another option that would likely work. Um, yeah, if you like, do have a NAS setup, but yeah, that's a whole another can of worms. <laughs> NAS or like Dropbox works. I mean, like there's there's a lot of other there's a lot of other things, but this is more for peripherals like file storage, yeah, and moving things between mostly between machines that you you own or you have access. I mean, to. if you're at the point where you got 16 terabytes of storage sitting out there on a NAS in your house, like we're probably not talking to you. <laughs> you probably know, not on this one, yeah. Unless it's me talking to myself. There are some things that you do need to watch out for when you switch. One thing to watch out for in particular is dates and files, especially if there are calculations based on them. So like if you have a batch process that picks stuff up based on its uh, timestamp, be careful about this because you could definitely DDoS something or not really DDoS. You could just flood something. I've done that switching between Windows machines before too, where somebody did a RoboCopy and, and, uh, ignored the dates, you know, with that, I forget what the flag is to do that, but like, yeah, it, it was not pretty <laughs> and it was not my problem because it was after hours and I was contract. Now, Mac OS and Windows handle date calculations differently. So for example, the same Excel files will be different because of different base date calculations. It's, it has to do with that, like the Epoch and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. No. It's like a Unix Epoch based. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 interesting, but just if you're aware of that, you can make those adjustments. But it's just because just because you have Excel on your Mac doesn't mean it's going to function the exact same way. So you have to be be cognizant of it. Also, the App Store may not be the best place if you're looking for a free trial and you may not find open source software on there. So for example, Reaper is not in the App Store. But you can go to, you know, the website and download the Mac version. Is that because of Apple taking a cut on the App Store? Possibly. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea why. I just know it's not. Uh, speaking of things that you don't know why, but you know that it isn't, uh, keyboard shortcuts will be very confusing at first. For the most part, the command key replaces control. However, in some apps, especially ones made by Microsoft, they both work. Um, yeah, that, that got confusing when I first started because I would be, and, and I was switching between Windows and Mac, but like I'd be in VS Code on the Mac side and Control C, Control V would work. But I would Control C something and then go and Control V it in like a Mac app, like that wasn't written by Windows and it wouldn't work. And I'd be like, oh, right, I, I got a, con- you know, command instead of control. 
And then, you know, like if you're used to like moving windows around with like the, the window move button, that's, that's not going to happen. The home and home and end buttons threw me off. Cause those are like the command and arrow keys. So like those work in VS code, but they don't work in uh, some other applications. Cause it's, it's different the way that the Mac is set up. So, um, if you are the first person in your office to switch over to Mac, it may be difficult to find support or help. Thankfully, there are a lot of online communities. Um, you can check out our Slack. Uh, if you can't find anyone to ask a question, I know we've got several Mac users on there, including myself. Uh, I may not know the answer, but I might be able to point you in the right direction. So definitely hop on our Slack. Um, and you can get that at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Yep. And don't at me in those questions because I don't know. No, he does not. <laughs> no. So guys, I'm just going to send you to beach. This is not a how-to guide, obviously, for switching over from a Windows PC to a Mac. Uh, and if you're already a Mac user, this was probably just fun to listen to, I bet. Um, it's basically designed to give you some helpful information for further research and share some of the things that I learned in the process of making the transition over to the Mac Mini. Your situation may be different as you will have to install the software and transfer the files uh, you are using, which may be quite different. Just use this episode, use this information as a guide to help you make the decision to switch to the Mac or for when you're making that transition um, to help you understand what you need to really look into. And check us out in the aftercast. We're going to talk about some tips to help Windows users quickly get up to speed in the Mac environment. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I've had a really interesting conversation with a couple of different people in the last few weeks. And it's basically boiled down to trying to explain to someone that there is no dumpster fire that is worth cooking marshmallows on. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we're always taught to be adaptable and to make the best of a bad situation. And that's fine. Um, but there is a difference between making the best of a bad situation and exploiting a bad situation. And, and those two things are very, very different, right? Like, so if something is imposed on you that's negative and you try to figure out how to turn that around so that it doesn't hurt you or maybe even helps you, you know, comes to your advantage, that's one thing. It's another thing to see a bad situation brewing, going in and making it worse or just going and putting yourself in the middle of it to gain an advantage. The latter generally does not work out very well. Um, and part of that's because of your intent. Part of that is because usually you only see, you know, like a dumpster fire is um, not the whole picture and you don't really understand how bad it smells until you're standing next to it. And so I just kind of want to pass that along because I, I feel like a lot of people seem to have this in their headspace right now. And I'm not exactly sure why, but it's like, hey, this is really messed up. Let's jump in the middle of it and either make it worse or you know not get away from it and try to win. And I don't know that that's necessarily very smart. Uh, so I just want to throw that out there that like this is something I'm seeing and I don't I don't like and I don't think it's very very bright. So that's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. 
Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at complete dev pod, like our page on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.